Hello and welcome back to This Is My Dram, a whiskey and music podcast in which we review a whiskey and we play some of our favourite music to go with it. This Is My Dram consists of me, Stu, and my Northern Irish brother from another mother, Andy. Over the summer, I was lucky enough to go to the west coast of Scotland and the Hebrides and managed to fit in 13 distilleries in a busy couple of weeks. The newest distillery on the itinerary was the Isle of Rasse distillery, and this episode is all about what we can expect from a distillery with so much potential. Once again, like the last episode, we played around a bit with the format of the podcast, so it starts with a feature about Isle of Rasse distillery, uh, including an interview with brand ambassador Chris Hoban. Rasse is 14 miles long, four miles wide. It's about the same size as Manhattan. There's only 160 people living on Rasse, so it's a little bit different from Manhattan. Andy and I then taste an independent bottling by Rasse, uh, which is the While We Wait third release to get an idea of what we can expect from the distillery when they finally come of age. So with Rassi while we wait, what we did was to release an independent bottling range that had been designed to show a style we were aiming to get to. And we play some demo versions of songs to reflect the demo nature of the current bottlings from the distillery. Uh, so go on, go ahead and introduce it, Andy, in your best DJ style. Uh, This is the song I've just been talking about for five minutes. Listen to it, bloody hell. Such a professional. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back to our normal format next episode, but in the meantime, do give us your thoughts and feedback by following us on Twitter or Instagram at ThisIsMyDram, or one word, and go to our website, ThisIsMyDram.com, for all our podcasts, blogs, and playlists. Okay, without further ado, here's our podcast about the Isle of Rasse distillery. This is my dream, this is my dream. At the end of a beautiful holiday around the islands off the west coast of Scotland in summer 2018, we ended our trip with a visit to the newest and perhaps most exciting distillery on our itinerary, the Isle of Rasse Distillery. So my name is Chris Hoban, I work as sales and brand ambassador for the Isle of Rasse Distillery. I had a chat to Chris on Skype a couple of weeks after visiting the distillery and I started by asking him why he thought Rasse Distillery was so unique. This is the first legal distillery on the island of Rasse. I emphasise legal, so being an island off of Skye, which is an island itself, if you're talking, say, 150 years or 200 years ago, it would have been quite easy to avoid tax and illegally distill uh, and there's actually a local lady that's written quite a lot about this, and um, she's found several sites that, that show evidence that there's potentially distillation happening then. But the, uh, the our distillery is the, the first legal distillery on the island. I'd say one of the, the, the kind of unique things about Rasse Distillery is, is the water. 
So the water from um, our well beneath the site is used in all parts of the process. Um, it's actually a slightly hard water, which is unusual as well, because most of Scotland distills off of soft water. Um, the minerals in our water are actually they're quite helpful for fermentation. Um, so that's kind of led us to, to doing a, a longer ferment, um, so around 100-hour fermentation. But it's, it's also persuaded us to perhaps produce a lightly peated spirit because we wanted to show off more of the flavours produced in, in fermentation and we felt that a, like a, a heavy peated might drown out those flavours. Rasse is a small island sandwiched between the northeast coast of Skye and the mainland. It is dominated by a characterful flat-topped hill that towers over the distillery called Duncan. Rasse is 14 miles long, 4 miles wide. It's about the same size as Manhattan. There's only 160 people living on Rasse, so it's a little bit different. Um, from Manhattan uh, and at the top of the island is, is a hill which is called Duncan um, and it's, uh, it's, it's built of volcanic rock so it's mainly granite coming down towards the distillery um, and if you're looking at it when you're crossing the sky bridge if you look to your right as you're crossing the sky bridge it's kind of like almost like a crew cut you know it's got sort of a sharp angle on it and we tried to represent that at the, t- the top of the distillery um the reason it's, it's so important is when the when water is flowing off of duncan it, it flows down over the granite and it's got nowhere to go because granite's impervious to water but directly beneath our site is sandstone so it's ad- acted as as a sponge and it's absorbed all of this water so we've ended up with a natural aquifer and when we were looking to build a distillery, a key part is, you know, how much water do you have? Uh, and when we dug a borehole um, at the site, we discovered we had a lot of water, enough water to support a distillery that um, would be looking to make, say, 90,000 litres a year, which was our beginning target. So Duncan actually plays a big part, but it's also quite a striking image for the island uh, in terms of people can spot it from quite far away. So it's quite nice to represent it uh, at the front of the distillery, uh, and also on on our logo as well. The easiest way to get to the island and the distillery is through a ferry from Sconser on the coast of Skye. We abandoned our car and went across on foot, though it is a car ferry if you'd like to explore the island further. The ferry journey alone is a bit of an event, with the dramatic landscape of both Rasse and Skye surrounding you. So I'm standing on the ferry, I've got the gorgeous uh, dramatic m- mountains of sky behind us and the what looks quite idyllic island of Rase in front of us um, so yeah we're very excited to see the distillery very new distillery and uh, yeah beautiful island by the looks of it as well the distillery is a short walk from the ferry terminal and you pass the famous Rase house built by the MacLeod family who ruled the island from the 15th to 19th century once you arrive at the distillery you are greeted with a fantastic black and gold modern distillery building, with the stills peeking out of large glass windows, juxtaposed with a converted Victorian house that adjoins the modern building. The architect has replaced the traditional pagoda-style rooftops with a design mimicking the aforementioned flat-topped Duncan. Ollie's, who's the architect, his his brief was that we wanted 
to really maximise the view and the view across the sound to sky is, is really stunning. So it, it was it was to make sure that you know our accommodation and the distillery were both really looking across to that to that view. The site is built round a Victorian villa um, that was the estate manager's house and then for a while was the hotel on the island. Um, so we wanted to restore that and then build alongside it the distillery. The actual middle uh, part of the build, it's kind of gold and that's the visitor centre. And then the roof of that, instead of being a pagoda, is, is shaped a little bit like Duncan. All his thinking was that you don't want to have lots of signs all over the place. You know, it's nice that people see the bright gold box that is the visitor centre, the hall, and they think, right, well, that's the entrance. That's the place where I go in. The distillery opened in September 2017, and it's refreshing to see a distillery embracing their modern roots, rather than trying too hard to imply a fake traditional feel to compete with some of the older distilleries. It also makes the distillery look very impressive, and you can even stay there as they offer accommodation as well as distillery tours. These are just some of the ways that Rasse is currently generating cash, which is a common issue for distilleries in their early life, given they usually have to wait at least three years before they can sell what can legally be called Scotch whisky. Rasse have actually come up with an innovative way around these issues, as Chris explains here. When Alistair and Bill, the two co-founders of the company, um, decided to to embark on this uh, project to build the distillery on Rasse, there was discussions about, you know, how do you get on the market? That's that's what's faced as new distillers, because it's an awful lot of investment uh, into a site, into casks, into staff, you know, to then wait a minimum of three years before you sell anything. The, the fear was if we launched at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, with nothing already on the market without speaking to any customers, you're worried that the, there won't be the relationships there. And we wanted to hit the ground running with our Rassi single malt. The, and the, the, the way they thought about doing it, and it's partly to do with Alistair's background as a vendor and independent bottler, was to release an independent bottling range that had been designed to show a style we were aiming to get to. So with Rassi, while we wait, what we did was we bought age stock from a Highland distiller. So we bought heavily peated single malt and unpeated single malt, both bourbon matured. And then we finished them in Tuscan red wine casks. And the reason we use the red wine casks is that we bought our pot stills in Tuscany. Um, and at the same time, Alistair, he, he was staying there for about a week to check out how the pot stills were getting on and to, to speak to the pot still makers, um, and then he'd had a recommendation to go and visit this uh, vineyard, uh, Montecchiari, near Luca. And Alistair's always been interested in in maturing whiskey and in wine casks. So he tried the wines and he thought they were great. And then he looked at the casks and he thought, wow, it looks like good oak. And he spoke to one of our cask consultants as well. So uh, when you build a distillery, it takes many hands. So we have a, a guy that we work with in terms of sourcing casks and for some advice on barrels. Um, he runs the Spirit of Ven distillery. Um, and he said, when we spoke to him and sent him photos, he said, wow, those, those casks look great. Um, really good oak, nice French, uh, French oak. Had good wine in it. Um, so yeah, you should go for the go for the Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc casks. So that's what we did. We bought 20 of those and we used them to finish our independent bottling. And then we released it as Rassi Wobbly. Well, we'll 
tour itself is fascinating, with the guide explaining the full distilling process as expected. What is noticeable is that every employee we wander past on the tour, whether on the reception desk, minding the stills, or conducting the tours, seem to have some close link to the island and each other. It is a charmingly local setup, and the distillery now provides employment for over 10% of the permanent residents on the island, a number that will undoubtedly grow as the distillery grows too. The local community have been very important to us um, because they've actually, you know, they're the ones that help us in terms of local advice when it comes to uh, whether there would be water at the site. Uh, they, they were the ones that, that were helped us with advice so we can grow some of our own barley to produce our own local barley addition. And, you know, things like our, our architect was uh, lived locally, um, our distillery manager uh, is, is local. In fact, all of our team um, pretty much, uh, apart from our distiller, um, so 19 staff are local. Um, and when we were looking to build um, two more warehouses on the island, and that will probably take us up to about 25 staff at the distillery, um, and of an island of 160, that's a great new um, opportunity in terms of employment for folks on the island. So I suppose that's where it goes the other way, is that they've helped us in terms of being welcoming, in terms of being open to having a distillery on the island. Um, and then in turn, the, the jobs that, that it's brought and the visitors um, to the island should hopefully be beneficial for the island as well. So when can we expect the first release from the distillery itself and what style will it be? Yeah, so the, the first release should be a limited edition um, that will be heavily peated. So I suppose to, to mention a little bit about our about the Rassi distillery production itself, we're doing three months of heavy peated spirit a year and nine months of unpeated spirit a year. Um, the, this first release at the end of 2020 will be some of the heavy peated batch, so around 47 ppm in the barley. Um, it'll have been uh, bourbon matured uh, since October um, of last year until 2020. So, uh, and that'll be that'll be a special release, and then that'll be a hundred hour fermentation as well. And then the beginning of 2021. We'll have French red wine casks from uh, Callum Segur in Bordeaux. Uh, we'll have some new oak as well, although we might just use that in, we might blend that in with other casks because it is quite, new oak is quite powerful. And then we've got rye casks um, from Woodford Reserve. Uh, so we filled rye casks as well. And next year we'll be looking to source some sherry and some port too. Rassi is soon to undertake a bit of a wine yeast experiment too, and Chris told us a little bit more about that project here. I think I'm, I'm really excited about in the next couple of months we're going to start the wine yeast fermentation. So it'll be interesting in 2021 being able to taste a three-year-old Rassi that's been um, standard distiller's yeast fermented uh, and then trying a wine yeast fermentation uh, just to, and just being able to spot the difference. And I think that's that's a big thing for new distillers is, again, working out how can you maximise flavour, how can you do things differently. And I think yeast is, is kind of a big a big part of, of what new distillers can do to try and make new interesting flavours. So, there you go. I highly recommend you visit Rasse if you find yourself in the area. 
I think these guys could be producing some very special whiskey in the future, so this is your chance to say you were there in the beginning. But now, let's taste some whiskey. And are you willing to Okay, so there we go. That was a, a little bit of a uh, information about Rassi Distillery that uh, recently visited. Thanks for that. That managed to that managed to both be uh, boring and uninformative at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. No, no, I'm sure it was great. I haven't heard it yet. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah you haven't heard it yet, but uh, it featured a, a wonderful interview with Chris as well, uh, for, uh, the brand ambassador at the uh, at the distillery. Uh, and just a fascinating new distillery, as I'm, I'm sure you could tell. But we are going to do a little bit of a tasting of the uh, Rasse While We Wait third release uh, that I got at the distillery. Um, and as explained on that little documentary, um, it is basically not really Isle of Rasse whiskey. It is um, kind of something they've done to try and give an impression of what their whiskey will eventually be like uh, by taking some Highland malt from another distillery and maturing it in the way that they're going to do with their whiskey when they uh, when they eventually get to the point of, of having done it for three or four years. Um, so that's what we've got here. And so we thought it would be quite a good song theme, uh, being This Is My Dram, to do a song <coughs> theme around demos, because this is kind of like a demo of what we can expect from Rasse. And so, yeah, uh, I thought we'd kick off with you, Andy, giving us your demo for the uh, for the theme. Great, yeah, yeah. So I thought um, we seem to have a bit of a, a habit on the podcast of um, marking the, uh, the the passing of a lot of our favourite musicians as we go along. So you know, by the time <laughs> we get to series fifteen, they'll just what we'll just be like we've run out of people that we like that aren't dead already. But um, obviously, recently we lost the uh, Queen of Detroit Soul, Aretha Franklin, and um, her singing career was quite interesting really in that she started out I think it was Columbia Records singing all these kind of um, really dreary ballads and stuff like that and and then she got moved record labels went, went to the uh, Muscle Shoals distillery in um, Muscle Shoals distillery <laughs> Muscle Shoals recording <laughs> studio um, <laughs> bloody hell um, where uh, I'd love to visit this Muscle Souls distillery you're talking about exactly yeah <laughs> sounds yeah, amazing I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to taste some of that it's the funkiest whiskey ever um, but uh, so there she got teamed up with the uh, the Swampers house band and, and kind of reinvented her career with a completely different sound uh, and w- one of the first songs that she uh, she recorded there is called um, I, uh, I Never Loved a Man um, and they just managed to get this really nice kind of swinging lilt uh in the in the backing track and her voice which had been quite sweet and meek up to then just really let fly and it's kind of the the point where aretha franklin invented herself in demo form so it's you know it's a really in terms of her career and in terms of soul music generally it's it's actually a really uh important recording um so i thought in terms of um you know demos that that show the promise of things to come like this whiskey that 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 would be a good one to to go with yeah and do you think um is it worth playing a bit of the final version of the song as well uh just to to give an impression of what it's like you know once the the finished product was done i'd say so i think anyone's interested in how studio house bands kind of work up 
or, or used to studio house bands don't exist anymore because everybody just does everything on Cubase or Logic but how they used to kind of you know build up these uh, amazing arrangements and instrumentation usually adding in things like lots of organ and brass sections and things like that after the fact as it were so uh, yeah definitely the, the finished product is a hell of a lot more polished than the, than the, the demo version so yeah definitely a, a little clip of the the uh, finished product as well would be great. There it was. That was the uh, little clip of the finished product. So we can now uh, do a bit of a comparison and hear what it sounded like in its early stages uh, with the original demo version. Uh, so go on, go ahead then introduce it, Andy, in your best DJ style. Get your smashing and nicey voice on. Go on. Smashing and nicey voice. Uh, th- this is the song I've just been talking about for five minutes. Listen to it, bloody hell. Such a professional. <laughs> hey, it started to get good in there. Yes, it did. They had that rocking thing.
That's a fantastic version of the song. Just for a, just kind of, I, I think hearing the raw version of her voice, just like to, to kind of hear the power of her voice makes that a really interesting version as well. So yeah, mm. absolutely loving that. Thank you for playing that. But uh, but as previously said, yeah, the reason we uh, we are playing demo versions is because the Rasse While We Wait series uh, is effectively like a demo of what we can expect from the Isle of Rasse distillery. Um, and we are trying the third release today. Uh, and let's just have a little listen to what uh, Chris had to say about uh, how the whiskey was matured and also what we can expect from tasting this. <laughs> So Rassi Wallowit third release has been bourbon cask matured for around six years. Um, it's then kind of been split and half of it has been red wine matured for approximately six months. And then the other part has been red wine matured for around 18 months. Right. And then it's been brought back together. Is it? Is it? Am I right in thinking it's pretty much a kind of blend of... Um, the, th- the first release and second release to an extent. Have I got that wrong or have I, have I read too much yeah, into it? No, that's right. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, oh, fantastic. So we're talking about roughly four, f- somewhere between four and five years old um, for most most of that whiskey. Yeah, most of the components, maybe five five to six, but yeah, that's okay. about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there we go. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think the uh, red wine... Uh, finish the idea of a red wine finish um, makes this one quite an interesting prospect. I also like the original idea of kind of you know trying to to give an idea of what the whiskey will eventually taste like. Um, and yeah, I, I'd be interested to know your thoughts as well because obviously I've already tried this in the distillery, but I'd love to know uh, love to know what you think because I know you're a fan yourself of uh, red wine finish, Andy. Certainly am. So yeah, let's uh, let's dive in on the nose and uh, have a little think about uh, what we're getting. I'm getting I'm getting strong hints of Stu's overdraft here. <laughs> yeah, this the Scottish holiday did uh, <laughs> did hit the bank balance quite a lot <laughs> with all those distillery exclusives. Um, but yeah, so I mean, instantly it's, I'm, it's you can tell it's quite young. I think it has got that kind of um, spiciness, that kind of uh, power to it. Of course, you know, being quite spicy and alcoholic. It's only forty six percent, but it certainly has a uh, a kick to it on the nose. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the predominant no is the barley um the, the, that sort of maltiness is really really strong 
there's a there's a little hint of smoke. Yeah, I think they did use peated malt for this uh, for this expression. I think we often we often use the um, obviously we're just uh, greedy shites when it comes to uh, confectionery and sweet food, but I th- we we always tend to find a good good comparison from the uh, the, the sweet shelves, and I th- I think um, I'm I'm really getting Milky Way. Wow, Milky Way. Very strongly. <laughs> yeah, um, I know what you mean. Okay. There's, there's that kind of that that kind of mix of like chocolate and um, sort of nougat or uh, marshmallow or something like that. Yeah, and I think um, the, well, the, the red the red wine kind of feel to it is quite subtle um, on the nose, certainly. Um, but there is that kind of slight bitterness, that ever ever so slight overtone of that that kind of um, you know that slight bitterness you get at the in the aftertaste of wine that I'm kind of getting on the nose. Um, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, let's dive in on the palette and see what we get uh, from it as well. See, this is where I think it's really interesting. Really interesting because I was expecting it from the nose and from knowing it's a a red wine finish to be really acidic, but it's not. Mm. Um, it's it's actually it's very creamy, isn't it? Yeah, really creamy, really um, really sweet. Some interesting notes that I yeah, I haven't tasted on many whiskies. Um, I think the the red wine finish combined with the peated malt and uh, you know obviously the three years in the bourbon cask as well has actually given a surprising amount of complexity given the age of the whiskey as well. Um, so I'm really really intrigued by it. I think it's a it's actually quite a for the age. It's it's a cracking uh, set of flavors that you're getting through. Yeah, it it's it's really hitting me with the specifics. Of this one, it's um. You know that Neapolitan ice cream, the sort of three oh. colours. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely like transported to that. Yeah, and I'm getting, a, I'm getting a little bit of spiciness in there as well, which is really nice. Kind of um, slight, slight sweet spice. The peat's very subtle. The peat is very subtle in it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've only just got the peat, and it's, um, it's subtle, but it's, it's, it's a really vital component of it, and it, it mm. adds, adds a lot to it. Stops it being too much of a sugar jar sweetie jar kind of whiskey yeah um, and I, without without wanting to jump ahead i actually think the peat starts to reveal itself on the finish as well it's kind of as this whiskey goes on a bit of a journey as it's in your mouth you kind of got it in your mouth you get that sweetness you get that creaminess and then it starts to evolve and the peat starts to come through and then as you swallow it on the finish that peat really starts to uh to kind of become more prominent um so I, you know i know we love our whiskey journeys when we're uh <laughs> we're tasting our whiskey love a whiskey journey uh, <laughs> and I think it's uh, it definitely takes you on that. Um, I just I remember trying this in the distillery a few weeks ago, and, and I was just fascinated. I just thought I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting it to be quite that impressive. Uh, and it just gets it, got, it gets me quite excited for what they could eventually produce at the distillery. And uh, obviously, this isn't actually their spirit, but um, but it just yeah kind of really interesting. No, because I mean. One of the things that, you know, people, different distilleries get very excited about is, you know, terroir or, you know, what casks they've got um, access to and all, all this kind of stuff. But I really think the the judgment is the key component in a good whiskey, someone who, who can, you know, not go too far with it. You know, it's, it's like you can tell that whoever's, you know, put this one together, you know, knows knows when to stop <laughs> yeah i wonder whether the because uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate that we don't have a chance to try both the first release and the second release as well because i think that'd be a really interesting tasting to see whether this combination of the first two releases 
um kind of combines both the the kind of flavors you're getting from the the first uh two releases um but yeah just really interesting dram really impressed and uh, i really can't wait till 2020 2021 whenever it is when they release their first uh their first single malt because i'm going to be first in the queue i think uh, yeah well i say first in the queue there'll be there'll be people more obsessed with me isn't it like most first whiskies of uh, distilleries end up going for like thousands of pounds on auction don't they so uh, yeah. okay so maybe i'll be like 10th 10th in the queue or something <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and by 2021 maybe you'll stop getting id'd when you go to buy when you go to buy alcohol <laughs> yeah. when i finally hit age like 40 you never know <laughs> yeah yeah, brilliant. Right, well, um, well, I think we should drum your league table it. What do you think? Because it's a drum your league table. Reckon all the whiskey so you can tell which is the best. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so uh, Drummy League Table, uh, for those of you that are listening for the first time, what we like to do is we like to um, give a score to our whiskies purely on opinion. We understand that everyone has a different opinion when it comes to whiskies. Um, so it's purely our thoughts and our ideas on the whiskey and um, just to give some sort of comparison to the other whiskies that we've tried to, uh, to kind of give an idea of, of, of our uh, favorites um, and so what we do is we score it out of 10 on the nose palette and finish each and then we pop it onto our drummy league table so you can see the rankings uh, which is then available on uh, our website and twitter and things like that so um let's go for the nose first uh what are you going to go for on the nose andy uh i'm gonna give it a solid seven on the nose yeah, I think for me this is actually the bit that's not quite as impressive uh, as the rest of it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six purely because I think it it almost um, it almost fools you uh, mm-hmm. into thinking it's going to be a very different dram than what it actually is. Uh, and I don't think it's the strongest part. I'm gonna go six on the nose. Okay. Yep. And on the palate, like I say, I think I think that's the area where the whiskey really excels, and I think. Um, I think just you know what what I keep coming back to is the the judgment on on how they've um, brought together the different elements and and not had anything too overpowering, um, but but let it really shine as a as a wine cask finished whiskey, which I, re- I, I I'm a big fan of anyway. Um, so I'll give it an eight uh, on the palate. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go more extreme than that. I I love the palate. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm really getting into the red wine finishes now. And I'm going to go for a nine. I, I think it's absolutely great. May may sound a bit extreme for something that's, you know, a bit of a demo, a bit of a, uh, bit of a young whiskey. But when I was in the distillery, I was just so charmed by it. So maybe there's a bit of a personal attachment here as well. Sure. And I think yeah, I'm yeah. going to go nine. Uh, and finally, on the finish, it's good. It's 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 a really it's a nice finish. I like the way it brings through some of that peat element. It's got that thing we talked about with the um, Arbuna, where it's really it's a really warming whiskey like it you, you know it almost feels like it's uh physically heating up <laughs> uh it, uh in in the finish um so I'd, I'd give it a seven i think it's a really strong um finish as well yeah i'm gonna go seven as well uh i like that the peat starts to come through i think that makes it really interesting so uh so yeah the, um surprisingly 
interesting and complex for a, a young kind of fairly young whiskey uh, i'm really impressed i have to say um so you go that's the rasse while we wait uh you can get it for roughly 50 quid just over in the distillery uh and i think it is available online as well is that right it's a master of Mold it is yeah yeah, it? yeah yeah first as struggle sorry i think the first the first and second uh uh release um are i think sold out now uh, yeah. but yeah you can get the um and get the second, uh, the third one. Sorry, forty nine ninety six. Yeah, that's good. And on, um, I think well, they've got little bottles of the first release in the distillery. But um, but yeah, I think I'd be impressed if you could find this in your local shop. You never know. Um, but I would, I'd imagine you probably have to dive into the internet uh, unless you're visiting the distillery. Um, but I do <coughs> encourage you to visit the distillery. I have to say, it was a it was a fantastic experience and a beautiful little island. So uh, if anyone's in the area, uh, highly recommended. You have a tour, have a tasting and um, go and support what is a really interesting startup distillery um, going forward. So yeah, I think that's everything I have to say on the whiskey. Any other thoughts, Andy? No, no, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's just really exciting that there's something new coming out of that west coast of Scotland. And, you know, they've not fallen into the trap of just trying to go for a nice label for the bottle and, you know, churn out any old crap. They're, they're really, obviously, they're commitment is there to to quality from from the get-go so that's great yeah i think their knowledge of uh, wine is, is definitely coming through on it and um actually i think you know you can actually buy the wine that the uh the casks of of previously held uh when you're at the distillery it's quite expensive i think it's about 60 pounds a bottle so it's quite mm. a pricey wine um but you can actually buy that wine as well if you want to do the ultimate comparison uh of the whiskey but uh, but there you go so yeah great whiskey great stuff can't wait to see what they come out with uh, in the next few years. So just to finish off this episode then, I'm gonna play a demo version to go along with our demo theme uh, that we were discussing earlier. And uh, the one I'm gonna go for is I'm gonna go for a version of Letdown by Radiohead. Um, so basically Radiohead uh, surprised fans uh, last year when they released their 20 year anniversary edition of OK Computer uh, called OK Not OK or one word or Oknatok as uh, some people have uh, referred to it um, but yeah uh, on that the I think what was probably most exciting for most geeky Radiohead fans like myself was uh, they released a cassette that had um, kind of very rare uh, demos and you know little snippets of uh, stems from the songs and things like that so if you want to properly geek out if you're a real Radiohead fan uh, you can uh, you can listen to those cassettes and they're just they're just perfect for any proper geek like myself um, and uh, yeah one of the things that was on there is they had quite a few four track demos that Tom had put together when they were doing OK Computer and doing the uh, initial setup of you know OK Computer and, and some of the Kid A songs on there as well and uh, I think the one that impressed me the most was uh, was Letdown. I think it really shows off the harmonies um, in it. So I think it's a really interesting version. And uh, yeah, the, I mean, the original is the production's absolutely, the, sorry, the final version, I should say, the production's fantastic. And um, there's this bizarre kind of, um, intro in five that then melds into the four four the standard four four so there's a bit of polyrhythm going on and you don't get any of that in the uh, in the, the demo version I'll just play you a little snippet of that intro just so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about and then I'll play the uh, the demo after that.
Okay, so there you go, there's a little snippet, uh, and this is what the demo version sounds like then, uh, with Tom and his four-track recorder uh, to really show off those harmonies and uh, his brilliant songwriting as well, really. So here we go. is flow 